This is episode 622 of the AWS podcast, released on September 18th, 2023. Hey everyone, we've made several big changes to how we provide podcasts to you, and of course we'd love to get your feedback. See the show notes for a link to a five-question survey. I take a couple of minutes and let us know what you think. Hello everyone and welcome back to the AWS podcast, Summerlish here with you. Great to have you back. Flying solo today, both of my co-hosts are taking a well-deserved break, but fear not, the news keeps on coming and we have lots of updates today. So let me get right into it. Firstly, around the AWS Marketplace, it now supports AWS CloudTrail to improve procurement activity monitoring. So you can now view activity logs anytime a user in the AWS account subscribes or unsubscribes to an AWS Marketplace SaaS, AMI, container, or professional services product. So this gives you better security and governance for your account administrators or your procurement and finance users. Now, some updates for analytics. We're thrilled to announce Amazon Managed Service for Apache Flink. Now, this is a renaming. So we're renaming Amazon Kinesis Data Analytics to Amazon Managed Service for Apache Flink. With this particular service, you can transform and analyze streaming data in real time with Apache Flink, which is an open source framework and engine for processing data streams. The name change is effective in the console, the documentation, the service web pages. There's no other changes, including the service endpoints, the APIs, the command line, IAM policies, CloudWatch metrics, billing console dashboards, everything will keep working. It's okay. Using Amazon Managed Service for Apache Flink reduces the complexity of building and managing tens of thousands of Apache Flink applications. And you get the full Apache Flink range of industry-leading capabilities, low latency, high-throughput data processing, exactly one's processing semantics, durable application state, and it's a very resilient, highly secure, and highly available service. Amazon QuickSight has launched scaled shared folders for asset sharing at scale in a multi-tenant setup. So you can now share lots more and sharing is caring. Amazon QuickSight has also added scheduled and programmatic export to Excel format. So if you need to get your data out to do some other stuff with it, you can. Amazon Open Search Ingestion now supports ingestion streaming of data from Amazon MSK. And Amazon Open Search Serverless now supports AWS user notifications. So this uh, is a service that makes it easy for you to run search and analytics without having to think about infrastructure management. And the user notification support reduces the need to constantly monitor the resources and the usage that you have. AWS Cleanrooms has launched two new capabilities, the general availability of configurable analysis results setting and the preview of Apache Iceberg support. These launches give customers more flexibility to configure AWS Cleanrooms collaborations with their preferred result recipient and data format. And AWS Omics has announced a new capability to easily archive and retain workflow runs to support your data provenance requirements. In regulated environments, you need to keep long-term records of which algorithms you ran on specific data input to produce specific output data, and that's a key component of compliance. This new capability enables you to track your workflow history in Amazon CloudWatch Logs and use CloudWatch Logs Insight to query this history. You can export it to S3, and you can keep it for long-term storage as well. Some updates in the area of application integration. AWS Step Functions is introducing enhancements to Workflow Studio. This is a visual workflow designer in the AWS console, which includes a streamlined transition between the visual builder and the code, making it faster and easier to build workflows. 
And to get started quickly, you can choose from a collection of starter projects for common use cases and then modify them using the Workflow Studio. So this is nice to not have to start from scratch because this is a visual workflow service that can orchestrate over 11,000 API actions from 250 AWS services. So this gets you up and running very, very quickly to get your workflows happening. AWS AppSync is a managed service that makes it easier to build and deploy scalable APIs that connect applications to data. There is now a new module available in the AppSync Utils Dynamo package that developers can use to build DynamoDB requests. So you can now use functions like scan, get, create, update, sync, and remove to build your requests. You can directly pass your JavaScript objects to the functions and they'll automatically handle the conversion between JavaScript types and DynamoDB types. And it means you can implement full or partial item updates, specify conditions, write filters for scans and queries. And when working locally, the functions are fully typed, which means you can use type validation with TypeScript and leverage auto-completion in your code editor. Amazon AppFlow now supports concurrent processing for data transfers from SAP applications. So you can set configurable page sizes and move data the way you need to. And Amazon SNS now supports additional usage metrics in Amazon CloudWatch. So you get topics per account, filter policies per account, and pending subscriptions per account as well and a bunch of others. An update in the area of business applications. We're happy to announce the voice enhancement for call recordings in Amazon Chime SDK Call Analytics. So this is a new machine learning powered voice enhancement option to help improve the audio quality of call recordings. The Amazon Chime SDK provides a set of composable APIs that enable builders to add communication capabilities to their applications. With the call recording capability of Amazon Chime SDK Call Analytics, enterprises can record communication sessions for compliance and analytics. This optional voice enhancement capability can give you an improved listening experience for narrow band call recordings by using machine learning to remove the noise and to carry out super resolution to restore wideband speech frequency content. So let's talk compute. AWS Outpost Rack now supports intra-VPC communication across multiple outposts. And we're happy to announce Parallel Cluster 3.7 with login nodes and Ubuntu 22 support. So this is the latest and greatest generally available version. And as I mentioned, some of the key features, Ubuntu 22 support and support for login nodes. So this allows customers to decouple user access from the customer's head node, and it de-risks the depletion of head node resources because of excessive user activity. So if you're trying to log in a lot, it's not going to break anything. There's also support for a new scaling model that ensures that all Amazon EC2 instances needed by a job are launched together. So there's no idle instances while scaling resources. Support for Amazon File Cache, which is a very handy capability. And you can also define Amazon EC2 instance type priorities for a parallel cluster job queue by defining node weights. Let's talk about cost management. You can now manage cost allocation tags with last updated and last used timestamps. So you can know when they were last updated and last used. And AWS Cost Explorer now supports AWS Billing Conductor. So you can now view pro forma costs in AWS Cost Explorer. And this allows customers, account owners, to analyze and save reports of their pro forma costs. For example, organizations can use the feature to grant cross-account billing visibility for their business units. And partners can use the feature to give their customers a cost reporting experience in the AWS Cost Explorer that matches their customer-specific pricing agreement. Let's talk customer engagement. Amazon SES now offers email delivery and engagement history for every email. So this allows customers to troubleshoot individual email delivery problems, 
confirm delivery of critical messages and identify engaged recipients on a very granular single email basis. It's pretty cool. Senders can investigate trends in delivery performance and can see delivery and engagement status for each email sent through SES. Previously, Virtual Deliverability Manager let you identify general problems with emails reaching recipients' inboxes, so things like bounce rates and opens and clicks, etc. Now you can use the Virtual Deliverability Manager dashboard to explore the status of every email that you send. And you can search for emails by many criteria like sender, send date, delivery status, subject line, open and click status. So this lets you get really deep in terms of your investigation to your email delivery, your engagement, figuring out if someone even got their order confirmation email or trying to diagnose if you had a low delivery success rate. You know, email is one of those things and this helps you with that. Amazon Connect Outbound Campaigns now offers voice dialing with no agents required. So this is a new dial type called agentless. And it makes it easier to proactively communicate with your customers for use cases such as personalized voice notifications, appointment reminders, or to enable self-service using the IVR. You may use integrated answering machine detection to help identify a live customer pickup or a voicemail, and you can customize your contact strategy accordingly. So, you know, if it's a live person, you may give them options to select, and if it's a voicemail, you just leave a message. You can also manage pacing by specifying a dial capacity for each campaign and an optional integrated list management capability. And this agentless dial type is available out of the box and can be enabled within the AWS Connect console. And Amazon Connect also now supports Universal International Free Phone Numbers, or UIFNs. Now this allows your customers to have a single number that's free to call for your customers in 64 countries globally. And the addition of UIFN extends the number of inbound countries Amazon Connect can now support to 107. And Amazon Connect has also added a second new number type to support the shared cost number type. This is the 0860-0861, commonly used by businesses in South Africa. And the Connect team have been busy. They've also launched new bulk editing features for users. They support nine additional languages, Chinese simplified and traditional, French, German, Italian, Japanese, Korean, Portuguese, Brazilian, and Spanish as well. And Amazon Connect now supports scheduling of agent group activities, as well as granular access controls for the agent activity audit report. So they have been busy for our customers. Let's get into the wonderful world of databases. Amazon RDS Custom for SQL Server now lets you stop and start your database instance on demand. So this allows you to save costs by stopping a database instance when it doesn't need to be running, such as when it's used for development or test purposes. And stopping and starting just needs a few clicks in the console, or you can use a CLI. While your database instance is stopped, you are not charged for database instance hours. However, you will be charged for other costs like provision storage, manual snapshots, and automatic backup storage within your specified retention window. Now, you can stop an instance for up to seven days at a time. After seven days, it restarts automatically, and then you can, of course, turn it off again. Amazon Aurora and Amazon RDS have announced extended support for MySQL and PostgreSQL databases. And these are the versions running MySQL 5.7 and Postgres 11 and higher major versions beyond the community end of life. Amazon RDS extended support gives you more time, in fact, up to three years to upgrade to a new major version to help you meet your business requirements. And to be clear, extended support is available for Aurora MySQL Compatible Edition, Aurora PostgreSQL Compatible Edition, RDS for MySQL and RDS for PostgreSQL. So starting in December of 2023, 
you'll be able to opt in to Amazon RDS extended support through the AWS console, CLI, and APIs. When you opt in to extended support, Amazon RDS will provide critical security and bug fixes for your MySQL and PostgreSQL databases after the community ends support for a major version. You can run your databases on Amazon Aurora and Amazon RDS with extended support for up to three years beyond a major version's end of standard support date. So lots more information about this, but this is really handy if you're having trouble getting things updated. Speaking of database versions, PostgreSQL 16 release candidate one is now available in the Amazon RDS database preview environment. This is an awesome way to test your application and test the new capabilities of things in the new version before you move it into production. The preview environment also includes support for logical decoding on read replicas, AWS libcrypto, and over 80 PostgreSQL extensions like PG Vector, very important right now, PG TLE, H3PG, PG Cron, and RD Kit. And Amazon RDS for PostgreSQL also now supports PL Rust in versions 13 and 14. And AWS Compute Optimizer now supports licensing cost optimization for Microsoft SQL Server. With this launch, you can get automated recommendations for downgrading SQL Server Edition for your EC2 SQL Server license included and also your BYOL licenses to reduce your licensing costs. This basically figures out what are you really using and you can scale it down. Or if you're not using, for example, enterprise features, why license them? You can downgrade and save some cost. Amazon RDS for PostgreSQL now supports minor versions 15.4, 14.9, 13, 12, 12, 16, and 11, 21. My regular reminder to you to patch your stuff. It keeps you up to date, secure, and ready to go. And Amazon RDS for Oracle now supports time zone auto upgrade for single tenant instances. Aurora MySQL supports Percona extra backup for MySQL 8 physical migrations. So what this means is you can now complete your physical migration of your existing MySQL 8.x databases running on Amazon EC2 or outside of AWS. This makes it much quicker for you to migrate large MySQL databases with complex schemas into Amazon Aurora MySQL. Pocona Extra Backup allows you to perform consistent, non-blocking online backups of your source MySQL database, which can then be migrated to Aurora MySQL with minimal downtime. And finally on this topic, Amazon Elasticache for Memcached simplifies creating new clusters in the console. It's a streamlined navigation experience with minimal settings required to get up and running in just a few clicks. You can use one of three predefined configurations, production, dev test, and demo, and you get best practice use cases for that. You can, of course, still customize to your heart's content, but let's get you going quicker. Now it's time for some developer tool updates. AWS AppRunner has added support for Bitbucket source code repository. So this gets you uh, up and running easily if you want to deploy web applications and API to the cloud without having to manage any infrastructure. AWS SimSpace Weaver SDK for Python is also now available. Now this makes it easier for simulation developers building Python-based simulation projects to integrate with SimSpace Weaver. We've had a specific episode about this, this particular service, which is pretty incredible we've got deep under the covers but this allows you now to build using python so if you didn't want to get into the c world you don't have to and you get a whole bunch of great capabilities a quick update for end user computing amazon workspaces announces a new linux client with versions supporting ubuntu 20.04 and 22.04 and this new client powered by wsp which is the workspaces streaming protocol improves the remote desktop experience by giving you enhanced web conferencing functionality, better multi-monitoring support, and a more user-friendly interface. An update for front-end web and mobile. 
AWS Amplify now supports time-based one-time password for MFA on Android, Swift, and Flutter. This feature enables developers to provide their users with a secure option for validating a user's identity after they provide their username and password. So users of apps with TOTP enabled can register their apps with an authenticator app like Google Authenticator, Authy, or the Microsoft Authenticator app, or a bunch of others. And after a user provides their username and password, they'll be presented with a challenge to complete their sign-in by providing the code generated by their Authenticator app. So it's always nice to give your customers a multi-factor authentication. It's a good thing. Let's talk machine learning. Amazon SageMaker Canvas has now added support for additional data connectors with JDBC. So it now supports eight new JDBC connectors for Salesforce, Databricks, SQL Server, MySQL, PostgreSQL, MariaDB, Amazon RDS, and Amazon Aurora. Additionally, importing data from Snowflake without a storage intermediary and OAuth 2.0 connectivity for Salesforce and Snowflake are now supported. All this means you can seamlessly import data from a variety of sources. And SageMaker Canvas is a visual interface that lets business analysts and citizen data scientists generate accurate ML predictions without ML expertise. So this is a pretty important update. Amazon SageMaker has also announced a preview of GPU and CPU profiler tooling for deep learning model development. With this new capability, you can access granular compute hardware-related profiling insights for optimizing model training resources. Now, training of models can be very intensive, lots of CPU, lots of compute instances, lots of GPUs, and it can be have a significant cost depending on what you're using. This profiling is going to allow you to get far more detail in what you're doing when you're training your models and start to optimize stuff. Some great information in the ML blog linked in the show notes. Amazon SageMaker model cards now support cross-account sharing of data cards, so you can communicate that amongst your organization. And Amazon SageMaker also announces a new rolling deployment endpoint update option. And rolling deployment makes it easier for you to update fully scaled endpoints that are deployed on hundreds of popular accelerated compute instances. So Amazon SageMaker makes it easy to deploy ML models to an endpoint and invoke it to make predictions, which is also known as an inference, at the best price performance for any use case. Previously, SageMaker only supported blue-green deployments, where the endpoint had to be updated with the new models. Blue-green deployments provisioned a new fleet of instances with the updated model first before shifting traffic from the old fleet to the new one. So when you updated your endpoint with a new model, you needed twice the number of instances used by your endpoint. With rolling deployments, instances on the old endpoint are cleaned up after each traffic shift to the new endpoint, which reduces the amount of additional instances needed to update your endpoint. This new update strategy is part of deployment guardrails, which lets you control the size of the traffic shifting steps, as well as specify an evaluation period to monitor the new instances for issues before terminating instances from the old endpoint. So this is a really important approach that can really improve your reliability and your resilience. Amazon SageMaker Data Wrangler now supports role-based access control for Amazon EMR. And SageMaker Real-Time Inference now supports response streaming. So this allows you to continuously stream inference responses back to the client when using SageMaker Real-Time Inference. So you get a more interactive experience for generative AI applications like chatbots, virtual assistants, and music generators, etc. And AWS Neuron has added support for Llama 2, GPT-NEO-X, and SDXL generative AR models. So AWS Neuron is the SDK for Amazon EC2 Inferentia and Trainium-based instances purposely built for generative AI. 
And this new capability expands the support for different models. Now, Neuron integrates with popular ML frameworks like PyTorch and TensorFlow, so you can get started with minimal code changes and without vendor-specific solutions. Neuron includes a compiler, runtime, profiling tools, and libraries to support high-performance training of generative AI models on TRN1 instances and inference on INF2 instances. Neuron 2.13 introduces the AWS Neuron Reference for Nemo Megatron library, supporting distributed training of LLMs like Llama 2 and GPT-3, and adds support for GPT-NeoX model training with the Neuron Distributed Library. And this release adds optimized LLM inference support for Llama 2 with the Transformer Neuron Library and support for SDXL, Perceiver, and Clip models inference using PyTorch Neuron. Let's talk management and governance. AWS System Manager Patch Manager now supports additional Linux operating system versions, a bunch of new Red Hat Enterprise Linux versions and Oracle Linux versions as well. You can now monitor SAP NetWeaver standard deployments with CloudWatch Application Insights. And we're also announcing a new AWS Rosa console support for the Rosa with hosted control planes preview. So this is the Red Hat OpenShift service on AWS Rosa with hosted control planes, which is a new deployment model for Rosa clusters. And we're announcing an AWS account configuration workflow in the management console. And during this preview, Rosa with HTTP clusters will not incur Rosa service fees and should not be used for production workloads, but you can figure out how it all fits together in your environment. And finally, in this topic, Service Quotas has added support to increase the instances per domain quota for the Amazon OpenSearch service. A couple of quick updates for media services. AWS Elemental Media Tailor supports per-session control of non-linear overlay video ads, and AWS Elemental Link and Media Live have added KLV metadata support. Now let's talk migration and transfer. AWS DataSync now provides detailed data transfer task reports. So you can see what's been going on in detail. You can use it to track and audit your transfers, monitor the chain of custody of your files, and troubleshoot any transfer errors. And the AWS Transfer family has announced multiple methods to authenticate SFTP users. It now offers the option to require both SSH key and password authentication when users connect to their SFTP server. This new method of authentication allows customers to add an additional level of protection to their data when authorizing users to securely access their files. AWS Microservice Extractor now supports visualizing very large enterprise applications. So this is a service that allows uh, refactoring of older monolithic .NET applications into a more microservices-based architecture. Microservice Extractor analyzes source code and runtime metrics to create a visual representation of the application with its dependencies. And it now offloads compute-intensive graph processing to the cloud and allows developers to visualize and interact with large enterprise applications of up to 50,000 classes on their own laptop. With Microsoft Extractor providing compute offload, developers can use their laptops or workspaces without their productivity tools getting affected. So for example, their IDE, and they can process really large files, like I said, up to 50,000 classes per solution, and they can keep on trucking. The AWS Migration Service now supports additional modernization actions. So the new actions include auto-scaling group configuration. So this is for web applications, giving you cloud resiliency and high availability. Tagging validation to ensure data integrity between source and server. And you can also enable the AWS Migration Hub refactor spaces to accelerate your application refactoring and get up and running quickly. And you can use, the, uh, in particular, the Strangler Fig refactoring approach as well. 
Now let's talk about networking and content delivery. We're announcing an improved user experience with the console enhancements for AWS Network Firewall. So these are completely revamped using Cloudscape Design System Guidelines, which is an open source solution for building intuitive, engaging, and inclusive user experiences at scale. So keen to see what you think of this. And you can now deploy gateway load balancer endpoints between virtual private gateway and subnets in Amazon VPC. So what does this actually mean? You can now route any IPv4 and IPv6 traffic entering your Amazon VPC from a virtual private gateway through a gateway load balancer endpoint before the traffic reaches the destination. So you can use gateway load balancer endpoint to process your VPC traffic through the AWS network firewall or other security appliances available in the marketplace. So this allows you to do lots more inspection of that traffic. Amazon VPC CNI now supports Kubernetes network policy enforcement. And AWS Global Accelerator now supports client IP address preservation for network load balancing endpoints. So with this feature, you can meet security and compliance restrictions around client IP addresses. You can apply client-specific logging for IP addresses or location-based filters or gather connection statistics. You can also use client IP address preservation to serve personalized content in your applications. Some updates for security, identity, and compliance. Starting now, AWS Directory Service for Microsoft Active Directory, also known as AWS Managed Microsoft AD, and the AD Connector are integrating with the AWS Private Certificate Authority, AWS Private CA, to issue certificates for domain-joined objects that use Active Directory auto-enrollment. So you can use a fully managed AWS Private CA drop-in replacement for your self-managed enterprise CAs without the need to deploy, patch, or update local agency agents or proxy servers. This also enables you to accelerate the migration of AD-aware workloads to AWS. So lots of details about how to do this, but short story of this is it makes life a lot easier. And AWS Certificate Manager has also introduced enterprise controls to help govern certificate issuance. So you can now use IAM condition context keys with the AWS Certificate Manager or ACM to ensure that your users are issuing certificates that conform to your organization's PKI guidelines. For example, you can use condition keys to allow only DNS validation, or you can authorize which of your users can request certificates for specific domain names such as accounting.example.com and or wildcard names. So you can really customize what can be done and who can do it. AWS Firewall Manager has improved auditing capabilities for security groups. So it now identifies excessively permissive rules that permit traffic from all IP ranges. So with these enhancements, customers can detect and remediate our old friend 0.0.0/0 and colon colon slash zero CIDRs in a security group using the security group audit content audit policy, I should say. Previously, you had an option to audit IP addresses that fell within a range. This now allows you to handle these common IP address ranges as well. And there are also improvements to multi-account management for Amazon GuardDuty. Delegated administrators can now enable one or more GuardDuty features for all existing and newly added members of an organization within the same region. And that helps ensure consistent security coverage across their organization. And let's wrap up as we usually do with storage. Amazon S3 now supports a multi-value answer in response to DNS queries. So with MVA, multi-value answer, you now get up to eight S3 IP addresses per DNS query. You can use these IP addresses to automatically make multiple concurrent connections to S3, which can improve throughput. 
and MVA also makes retries more efficient as applications will automatically try an alternative IP address without having to wait for another DNS query. You can think about how this could be super useful at scale. Now, newer versions of the AWS SDK, including Java 2.x, C++, and Python, automatically benefit from this with no changes needed in the application. Amazon FSx for Lustre now supports project quotas, and with project quotas, you can group multiple files or directories on your file system into a project and monitor storage consumption on a per-project basis. So before you could use users and groups, now you can also do it on a project basis as well. And finally today, AWS Backup now supports local time zone selections, so you can see time in a way that makes sense to you. So you don't have to figure out the maths between UTC and where you are. So lots and lots of very cool updates there. Some really nice under the cover changes, and they're the ones that often can have a big impact on what you're doing. And also some really great capabilities in terms of supporting those machine learning workloads in a consistent way and driving those updates faster. So lots to dive into. As ever, we do love to get your feedback. AWS Podcast at Amazon.com is the place to do it. And I'll be joined by my co-hosts next time. So they will be back. And until next time, keep on building.